Lock on. Lock on. Lock 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 on. Lock 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 on. Lock lock on Cowboys. Lock on Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? (laughs) I mean, filled with all kinds of emotions at this point. You know, it's like it is weird. It's the most bizarre thing ever. I really was trying. I I I I was when when the whole thing was done. When the whole day was done. I, I I was I turned I'm I, I'm actually home in Dallas uh, and I'm staying with my mom. We we were we were I was watching the game at my in-laws' house and I came home to talk to my mom and, and she because she's a big Cowboys fan and I was like this is the the kissing your sister option right where the yeah. where the Cowboys yeah. crush their opponents and actually end up playing a pretty decent game, a uh, good game I would say. And uh, and and it still is all for naught because Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia wins and beats New York. I, honestly, I, I I thought this of the all the scenarios of you know win loss between the Cowboys and the Eagles. The the idea that the Cowboys and the Eagles would both crush their opponents was like the lowest percentage chance thing I thought that was going to happen. I I thought that we were definitely going to get the most Cowboys thing ever and somehow limp into the playoffs just to be destroyed by Seattle. I was talking to our mutual friend, uh, Katie Drummond, yesterday. And, you know, we were just talking about how he covers the Cowboys for the Cowboys wire. I obviously cover the Raiders for the Raiders wire. Uh, between these two seasons, it's just been exhausting. Yeah. And I know, obviously, you want your team to make the playoffs, you want them to make a run. But this season, more than any other season, just it, it's almost nice that it's over and we can kind of take a deep breath and reset and kind of look forward to what we're going to have happen over the next couple months. Um, it, it's, it's just been one of those years. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the game on Sunday. Uh, we are going to uh, kind of steer clear of some of the coaching stuff. It, it's 2.30 here, uh, East Coast time in the afternoon. Uh, we have not heard any news about Jason Garrett and the rest of the staff. Uh, we have a pretty good idea what's going to happen, but they're, as soon as they're literally official, they're literally meeting as we speak. I think it's yeah. it's eleven thirty right. Central Time, so it's 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 like it's it's yeah it's it's they're happen it's happening as we speak. Right, and That's we a, have an idea what's going to happen. I think most yeah. Cowboy fans yeah. do, but once that becomes official, uh, we'll have a podcast. We'll talk about what it means for this team going forward. I do want to talk about this game because I think there were some. Uh, interesting takeaways. The Cowboys won 47-16. to uh, It was the sixth time this season the Cowboys scored at least 35 points. Uh, Dak Prescott was 22, 23 of 33 for 303 yards. Seventh time this season he averaged at least nine yards per attempt. Uh, they, they had four passing touchdowns. They rushed for 223 yards. Um, Lynn and I, I almost think this is this game was more of a tease than anything else, right? This is what the season should have been like. The Cowboys should have had way more of these performances where they just absolutely dominated and everything clicked. Uh, so it, it was frustrating more than anything else. Is, is that kind of the vibe that you got from this one? I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I definitely watched the whole situation with the, uh, yeah, typical you know, kind of anger at, at yeah, exactly. the situation. That's exactly you know? how I felt all game long. It's just like, ugh, Amari and Gallup going off in the same game. Yeah. Zeke pl- 
playing well, them using Tony Pollard. It, nope. it was just like, why can't we get more of this? Uh, you know, it's it, it, yeah, and, and that's the thing is that it just felt like it, it just feels like it could turn on any time with these guys, but not necessarily always when they want it or when they need it, you know? And it's, like, even early in the game, it felt like, oh, God, is this going to be an ugly ugly Cowboys loss? Like, it didn't look good. Like, you know, it's... And so, and, and, and you know, they had done that, a little bit of that throughout the season, kind of not starting right and then finishing strong. But they had also done a, a lot of everything, you know? A lot of starting yeah, strong yeah. and finishing weak. And, you know, so it just... You never know. And I, I think... As the game went on, and and you know they started to really pull away and get turnovers, and you know convert, and you know suddenly we got a kicker who's making everything in, in under the sun, and yeah, Which I do want to talk about that. Remind yeah. me later because I think that's something interesting we need to talk about. But sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think I yeah, I just think that you know it was just one of those situations where it's a tease, yes, but it's also what we've seen at, at different points throughout the season. Uh, and and, and yeah. you know one at one point in the off season we're going to talk about the amazing unlikelihood of having a team with this level of point differential and having an eight and eight team because it's it's almost mind boggling to look at how much the Cowboys outscore their opponents that and still manage to not outwin their opponents. It, it truly is. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the offense first because I think that was the big story in this game. Obviously, forty seven points. Uh, I don't think Prescott looked particularly well or good in the first one, no. quarter of this game. It no. cer- certainly seemed like it took him a while to get warmed up. Uh, but once he did, man, that offense was good. To me, the story of this game was Michael Gallup. Uh, I think Gallup, especially the second half of the season, once he started to get over that knee injury, uh, really started to take off. Uh, he had five catches for 98 yards and three touchdowns. You saw him make some ridiculous plays after the catch. Um, going forward, how good do you feel about the combination of Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup? Very good. I mean, I think as long as Gallup is able to continue kind of on his upward ascension of, of uh, trajectory of skill set, I mean, I think really he, with him it's been about being consistent and and and, and making well, sure. Well, even in yesterday's game, it's he had play, he had yeah. drops in that game, yeah. so it's it, it kind of was the the full microcosm of Gallup season. Right? Yeah, and I think that look, drops are having drops is not the worst thing in the world, but but you need to Correct. have a a decent con- target conversion rate to you know because the thing is is that you you have to find efficiency in your passing game, and that's really what the problem has been with this team is that. They are naturally explosive just by nature of the people that are catching the ball. But when they yes. when they're losing, yes. it's when they're not efficient, and then that's because of you know drop passes, because of you know pass rush getting to the quarterback, you know missed throws. I mean that's the the, the cons- inconsistency in the offense has to do really with whether or not the 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 passing game can find efficiency early in the in the game, and and I think. That is also directly tied into their uh, their their just basic refusal to throw the ball consistently on first down. When I think that they actually have a much better chance, you know, you just you just face it's just harder to throw the ball on third down when they know you're throwing the ball, and, yeah, and, and, yeah, and to, to, to see a hold down where you get a 
defense that doesn't know what's coming uh, to, to run the ball almost you know every down is really putting a lot of pressure on your second and third down offense, which you know, this is a theme throughout the season. And I think that's kind of what showed out here is when they started to mix things up in the first on first down, they started to have some success. Dak's arm started to loosen up a little bit. I think he started feeling more comfortable, physically comfortable throwing the football as he went along. Yeah, uh, and then you start to see a lot more accuracy. You started to see uh, you know just how ridiculously overmatched this secondary was against this offense. Uh, and you know, the, it, it just kind of makes you shake your head and look back at the the early you know three and outs that they were having and go, well, well you know, why couldn't we do that early? How does so say how does that happen? That you know, with that much bad power, that should you know, look, as much as it I, I have to say, like, I mean, look, we're, we're not. We're, I'm trying to. I, this is my own mandate, but I'm trying to stay away from you know <laughs> season review type things. Uh, yeah. I, my one criticism for Kellen Moore is that he it feels like he is a very bad game scripter. Like like they need to yes, they, like they need to stop drives. doing it. Yeah, yes. because they, I, I just think that you know I just feel like his game scripts are yeah opening and second drives like it really feels like those first few drives in a game they they are just. They've got a weird mix of pass and run, or just a very formulaic mix of pass and run, and just everything. Not a lot of stuff seems to work early on. I, I want to take a quick break, but I, w- I do want to continue this Michael Gallup conversation because I do think it's fascinating yeah. and it's interesting for the Cowboys' future going forward. All right, Landon. Um, a lot of people over the last day and a half have been asking me a lot of questions about Michael Gallup. Is he at number one? Uh, do you sign him maybe next year rather than Amari Cooper? Uh, I don't want to get into that conversation so much, but I do want to talk about his upside here. What do you think Michael Gallup can develop into? What type of receiver? Uh, I posted a stat today. You know, he's 23 years old. The list of receivers who are 23 and have had a 1,100-yard season uh, is it, pretty small. You're looking at you know a lot of the best receivers in the league currently. You're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. I don't think he's in that category. Uh, Michael Thomas is in there. But I do think his, his ceiling is pretty high. What do you think about Michael Gallup going forward? Yeah, I mean, he's just uh, – he's an interesting guy because he's kind of a, a, a unique physical athlete. I mean, he's, you know, he's not excessively big or excessively fast necessarily – but he's got he's very good at all those things, you know. And I think that where he has he has a level of skill set that he came into the NFL with, uh, you know, in his ability to kind of uh, attack at the the ball the point of of arrival. I mean, to, to play the ball the point of attack to uh, to get off press coverage, which you know his ability to get off to be effective against man coverage early in his career is surprising it's oppressive i mean that's not something and i think a lot of that has to do with with colorado state we're finding out i, I think that there's something yeah. in the water there and or good coaching there uh he, he just he, he came into the league very refined um having said that I, I feel like where his upside lies is if he could turn his weakness into a strength um, if he could find a way to become a high efficiency receiver, uh, uh, he just needs to be more consistent. Yeah, if he can be fifty percent more consistent than what he was this year, he goes from an eleven hundred yard receiver with six touchdowns to what 
1,300-yard receiver with 10 touchdowns. I mean, there's a there's if he becomes more consistent, I don't think it's impossible to say he can become a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I really do. no. I mean, I think he's you know he's good with the ball in his hands. He's a he's a he's a good route runner. I think he's learning more and more routes. I think that's an, another area he can improve is he can just add more you know routes to his repertoire. And, and I, well, that not only that become more versatile. Yeah. Too. So well, that that, that will come with that. They try you know? to find him some more snaps yeah. in the slot. Yeah, right. Totally. Absolutely. And I think that will become incredibly valuable. You know, having two of those kind of guys like Cooper and, and Gallup who can both be movable chess pieces. That you know, and then whether you want to get Cobb back or you want to go out and draft a uh, uh, a young guy, and that would make that young guy's job a lot easier too. Because since you've got two kind of movable pieces. You can put your, you know, like even if, let's say if you wanted to get a, a first round wide receiver, you could you could draft that guy and then potentially just kind of keep him in spots where he feels comfortable during his rookie season because you've got two other guys who who can are comfortable doing everything. We're we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about the draft and stuff. Um, I know it. These are all teases. These are all teases, Marcus. Teases. Right, right, right. Teases for the offseason. Right. Um, I, at one point in the season, I, it certainly felt like a wide receiver in the first round was plausible. I, I'm not sure that's the case anymore, just because of how well Gallup and Cooper are playing. Well, and, and it, I, I think the class is so deep too. To spend it on number, on number three. The class is so right. deep; you can still get. It, oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's it's yeah. one of the best classes ever. It sounds like so. Uh, you know, the fact of is that you can still get a very a, a great rookie wide receiver. Not in the first round, you know, probably the second or third round, and, and that could still be a very effective player, maybe even right away. It, it reminds me a lot of the 2018 class. I think you can find a Michael Gallup or Anthony Miller type in the third round, and I would not be shocked if Dallas decides to do something like that uh, next year. Um, let's take another break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about the defense in this game. All right, Landon, the Cowboys forced a bunch of turnovers in this yeah. one. Uh, pers- I per- finally, they finally get turnovers. <laughs> the se- the season, they matched their season total, it feels like, in this game, uh, just in turnovers. It's a pretty. I mean, they didn't literally, but it's. it felt like yeah. it. it was, they turned around every every other sna- uh, drive was ended with a fumble recovery, an interception. It was totally uncharacteristic of the Cowboys defense. Uh, I'm going to just name a couple guys that I thought had good games, and – um, just and I know we're not talking about big picture stuff, but maybe just if, if you're interested in keeping some of these guys going forward, uh, Malcolm Smith thought he played pretty well for a reserved linebacker. He had to force fumble. He had a bunch of tackles. Uh, is that somebody you'd be interested in bringing back? You know, maybe next season. Depending on what we're doing with our defense, like depending on if the defense is going to stay stay in a similar type of style as it is currently. With maybe a new defensive coordinator, defensive crew, I'm was super impressed by Malcolm Smith. I mean, geez, the last yeah. two weeks, like he's he's only he just came off the street and make plays. Uh, yeah, right. If he's your fourth or fifth linebacker, I have no problem with that. No, at all. no, yeah, absolutely not. And I think you know you 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 know we'll see because this team has some good young linebackers that they like. So it, 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 I mean, it might be crowded okay. at the end once people get back, but I, I think that. You know, you can't deny the fact that he, he came in and did his job for sure and then, you know, made plays along the way. All right, uh, how about another one? Kerry Hyder. Uh, that's somebody who the Cowboys signed last offseason. Uh, he's had his moments throughout the year. Uh, he did finish this game with a tackle for loss. He had a quarterback hit. He had a sack. Uh, he's, he's somebody you'd be interested in bringing back next season. I was surprised to hear in the game that this was his first sack of the season because, I mean, it feels like... He's been around the quarterback way more. Yeah, than it, so... Uh, 
But at the same time, you know, it does feel like he wasn't quite as much as what I as good as as I had hoped. Uh, I think that specifically, you know, they tried to play him a little bit inside to get some pass rush going. But I, you know, he was he was a large part of the problem that they were having in in run defense. You know, in when he was involved, but he was playing out of position though. That's, That's the uh, problem. No he doubt, shouldn't be inside no, on first. No game. doubt, and so I guess that that you know that plays into what your plan is with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, and again, I, well, I think it probably depends on what you do with the other two guys, right? Well, with Robert Quinn and Michael. Well, Bennett, because I, I I don't feel like the Cowboys are going to be able to sign both of those guys. So let's say you do re-sign Quinn. I, I think Hyder makes more sense in that uh, case, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, uh, and again, I don't want to get into all this right now, but I think it makes a lot more sense to stay in a very similar style of defense with a new defensive with, coordinator. And it sounds like they probably and, and, will. Like, yeah. I don't think they're going to rock the boat. Too and much. so if that's the case, then I think all of these guys are, you know, in because I do think that, you know, like Quinn – had a good season, obviously, I, and, I, yeah. and I think that if you could get him on a reasonable deal uh, coming back, I like his pairing with with Demarcus Lawrence. I don't know what the deal is with with Bennett, um, you know, as far as what, whether he's continuing to play football if he wants to return. If Chris Richard's not here, is he interested in coming back? Those are all good questions, no. and that's the thing about a lot no. of these players is that a lot of these of this stuff is tied into information we don't have yet. You know, so I, I, as far as just how they played and whether that means I want them back, uh, you know, sure. I, I think yes. Like on some of these guys I, we've mentioned at the right price, I'd want back. And I think some of these guys are very dependent on what exactly happens to the defensive coordinator. I, I do think it's interesting how well I, I went back this morning and watched the game, uh, how well Michael Bennett played in a pretty much a meaningless week 17 game. He was in the backfield all day long, he yeah. had two tackles for a loss. Uh, he was playing fired up, and you know if he wants to come back, I- I'm absolutely welcome him with open arms because I-, I think he's been fantastic since uh, from the moment that he got here. Uh, just week 17 was another game that I was really impressed by. Agree. Uh, any thoughts on Bennett before we move? No, on? I totally agree. If if he if he wants to come okay. back, I-, I would have him back. I-, I I just wonder how much of him being here is is tied to Chris Richard. Yeah, and it- that's something again. That's something we're gonna have to see because of all the Cowboys coaches. It would not shock me if Rashard is the one that does stay. Uh, it does seem like he has a good relationship with the, the Jones family. Uh, he is under contract, I believe. I, I think so. Um, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I want to talk about the, the kicking situation really quickly. Yeah. Uh, Kai Forbath, 4-4 yesterday, uh, along of 48 yards, made all five extra points. Um, is Has he shown enough of the last couple of weeks to – um, have you feeling okay about bringing him back next year? Maybe uh, having him as the lead kicker going into the off season at the very least. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that you've seen enough to at least have him stay with you during the off season and 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 come into camp as the obviously the lead horse uh, uh, of of, the, of a competition. But yeah, I mean, I think that hopefully the Cowboys have kind of learned their lesson there, and maybe even with with Chris. You know Jones to a certain degree. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I think Chris Jones. I, I'm I'm fine leaving. He, I, he, he can stay in the 2019 season. I think that there's like there was a level of of you know comfort there that got too. It got too. It just it got too like 
it, it got in the way because he clearly was yeah, struggling yeah. At, with a back issue. They weren't willing to do anything about it. And, uh, and you know, that's that plus all the other problems that they had with kicking plus not having a special teams coordinator who seems to know what he's doing. Uh, it really, I mean, obviously was a huge detriment to the Cowboys season and obviously specifically the special teams, but I think it had a larger impact that is tough to measure. Uh, really quickly, Forbath is the exact kind of kicker that I think you need in 2019 and 2020, right? Because he, he's he's really good inside of 45 yards. He always has been. The problem is he doesn't have the, the strongest of legs. Um, but I think that's okay because that means when you get to the you know, 30, 35, 40-yard line, you're going to typically be a little bit more aggressive on third and fourth down, not settling for field goals. I actually think in a lot of ways – Brett Marr's strong leg messed this team up. They became too conservative sure. on third downs because they know, hey, he, he can make them from 60. We're okay. We have to we have to make a field goal here. Um, just I, I'm not saying Kai Forbath is a great kicker because I'm pretty sure he's not. <laughs> but I'm I, I just wonder if he is the right type of kicker the Cowboys should be looking for. If that makes sense. Well, I mean, he'll run out. Uh, you know, listen, all these guys. I, some people are pointing to this as a situation like, oh, see, they could have you know replaced the kicker a long time ago and it would have been, been better. I, I mean, Kai Forbath had been miss, was missing extra points uh, at one yeah, point during the season. True. You know what I'm saying? Like these these no one you you never have it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing. I think that that's the, the misconception is that and even with the Cowboys, they continue to, to to kind of keep going with this Dan Bailey strategy when Dan Bailey wasn't even Dan Bailey until like three or four seasons ago so uh, this idea that you know that you can always get a, a, a three points from you know 55 yards plus whatever you need it, it it's just yeah. dumb and it's it's bad strategy and besides the fact that you also don't even have the guy that you built the strategy around to begin with so uh, yeah i think it did kind of help them change their thinking about the the calculus of the math of the fourth down but i also think that you know no one should be sitting here comfortable with Kai Forbath and be like, oh, finally we found our kicker. You've, you're not ever yeah, going to yeah. find your kicker. You, you, you rent you these guys, sure. you know, and, 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 you, and you rent them for a little while, and then eventually, the, 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 you know, they, 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 something gets in their head and they can't kick for a little while. And then they go away and they go figure it out, and then they come back. And it's, 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 it's a weird position. It's different than the other one. So no one should feel like this is a do- job well done. That's how you get Brett Maher's situation, you know. Absolutely. So yes. keep, keep yeah. cycling these guys in. Make them compete. Uh, 2019 was the don't pay running backs brand on Twitter. Uh, it was a big narrative. I, I think 2020 might be never pay a kicker. Ever. Uh, you know, never, ever, because they're just too volatile. Uh, they can be great one year. They can be awful their next year. And there's really no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, so don't pay kickers unless they're Justin Tucker. And I don't even know at that point. I mean, Tucker is just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, Landon, we've made it through the 2019 season. <sighs> it was it was quite the journey. Uh, we covered 17 games, four preseason games, um, or 17 weeks, four preseason games. Uh, we did it. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back, maybe talking some coaching news, uh, maybe talking some season review. Uh, make sure you guys tune into that. Make sure you check out the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.